Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 171 of Sack King's Therapy. Um, I am actually coming to you on solo for this one because Fong unfortunately missed the game. I think he's just straight up forgot. I forgot to really, I haven't really talked to him uh, these past few days. He's been busy. But I think he also just forgot that there was a game. And honestly, I actually missed like the first half. I only managed to catch about the second half. Like right from the third quarter, so the, I'm gonna just start from there. Um, so from what I saw, it looked like the Kings were playing well. Like they were running their offense to a T. Like I, I came into basically De'Aaron Fox, um, running pick and roll, getting a switch, and then uh, pick and roll with Sabonis, and then Sabonis rolling, and then finishing. Like the the deep the offense was running really smoothly, but on the other end. And we're going to get to this guy, Spencer Dinwiddie, like just got easy buckets. And it wasn't just him. Like the Kings were running nice offense, like smooth offense. Everything was running on cylinders. But then they just could not figure out the, how to, you know, defend well. Although they did have a few good possessions of actually, you know, great team defense, great rotations, forcing tough shots and like long misses that, you know, led to fast breaks and such. But, like, they just sometimes, like, I don't know what it is. Like, they just don't get fundamental defense. Like, there were a few possessions where Spencer Dinwiddie just comes down the court and just gets right to the rim. And, like, my thing is at least make him work a little bit more. Like, you know, the the annoying thing for me is that, like, a guy like De'Aaron Fox, for example, or a guy like De even Davion Mitchell, like, it's just they, they, they can only do so much, like, keeping their guy in front, like, the the rules are completely, you know, in favor of the offensive players. So, like, there's only so much a individual player can do anyways. But the idea is that you need to force a certain angle from them. Just like, you know, I hate to say it, but, like, you know, Luke Walton would say, like, last year, the defense was so bad, he would just say, can you make these guys dribble more than twice? Like, can you please just do that? And, like, we can start from there. Like, start from there. Like, make them dribble twice, make them take a certain angle to make it so they don't just get a straight line drive to the rim. And that was kind of, like, the start of the downfall. Like, the Kings were running nice offense, but then, you know, of course, like, as, I guess, as um, as customary, as is customary, like, you know, the offense starts to slow down a little bit, Sabonis checks out, or, like, no, not, not checks out, but, like, you know, he checks out of the game to get some rest. And the offense devolves into ISO shots from De'Aaron Fox. Now, they worked for stretches, but, like, at the end of the third quarter, it just did not work. Like, they just could not get, you know, consistently good shots. And even when they got a good shot, it's usually a long three or a long jumper of some sort. Like, and it didn't go in, and it allowed the Mavs to get back in. And, of course, like, earlier, like, they shouldn't have given up so many easy baskets um, while they were, what, up 13 or so. And... Like, the, the reality is, like, this has happened in the Pelicans game, in the Spurs game, and in this game. Like, they'll have incredible stretches of, like, great defense, forcing turnovers, causing chaos, getting out in fast break. But then the game starts to slow down a bit, and they start to falter because, like, they just don't, they don't have the mental toughness to really run their actions and, like, to get to the third or second option. And especially when Sabonis gets off the floor, and it's usually at the end of the third quarter, the offense starts to fall apart, and then it and then you know bad offense leads to bad defense. Like their transition defense was again not good. 
again, get letting guys get easy buckets and it allowed the, it allowed Dallas to get back in the game. And that's exactly what they did. However, like as soon as things look started looking bad, like started looking bad in the fourth quarter, they took the lead the, or the Mavericks took the lead for the first time. I forgot what, how much it was. I want to say four. De'Aaron Fox checks back in, looks like a fucking superstar right away. Just go, gets to the rim, slices past guys, gets tough finishes. He draws fouls. He, he actually, uh, I'll mention this. Like, Dwight Powell had a rough game with foul trouble. Like, his fifth foul were, like, it looked honestly, it looked like De'Aaron Fox pushed off with his forearm and it should have been an offensive foul. Instead, ends up being an and one that draws Dwight Powell's fifth foul. And Jason Kidd even challenged it and didn't work. Like, I honestly thought like it was a it was an offensive foul because of the because of De'Aaron extending his forearm, but honestly like if it got if it went as a no call, I wouldn't have complained. But like the fact is like Dwight had a very rough game to say the least, and yeah, that drew his fifth foul. And then on the sixth foul, like you know Sabonis clearly whacks him across the arm. He gets he 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 comes down the court, ends up fouling. I believe it was either Barnes or Sabonis that just stopped the fast break and draws a sixth foul. I actually really did feel bad for him on that. But that led to kind of the kind of the small ball lineup that the that the uh, Mavs went to, which basically playing you know one of either Reggie Bullock or uh, Dorian Finney-Smith as the five. Like they just they basically just went com- completely small. And just, you know, took their chances. And, you know, Sabonis couldn't finish, like, very well in the fourth quarter, unfortunately. There was a very crucial miss that he had in the fourth quarter. And, you know, the one guy, like, that really brought it this game was De'Aaron Fox. 44 points on 18 of 31 shooting. Like, that's superstar shit right there. Like, 3 of 4 from 3, 5 of 6 from, five or six from the field, or from the free throw line. He did have a crucial miss late late in the game, but, like, he looked like an absolute fucking superstar. Like, the mark of a superstar is when, the, not, basically, they can't, they can't keep you in front with just one guy. There's no hope there. You have to bring the double. And that's what, and that's basically what the maps ended up having to do because he was just slicing them up. Like, you know, this is the kind of stuff I love to see from De'Aaron Fox. It's unfortunate that at the end, like, they lost this game. But, like, you know, let's hope that the Kings can care or, like, De'Aaron Fox can carry this into next season. Because that's honestly what I'm looking for. Looking for This is what we thought we had from last year. And if you remember, the last two seasons, like, you know, the bubble, of course, like, De'Aaron was amazing, like, in the fir- in the first few games. And then he went out injured. And then last year, he was basically out for the entire, like, stretch run because because of COVID. Like, we haven't really seen, like, you know, De'Aaron Fox down the stretch for the past two years. And we're seeing him now. And it is a scary, scary prospect that he that if this is kind of like what he's going to build off of, and I hope he builds off of this this season or this offseason, like, that could be a very, very good player coming out, coming out next season. And again, a guy that just commanded the offense and just and just like basically willed the team back into the game and yeah like unfortunately he did not have a lot of help from anybody else like Sabonis what had a good game 15 10 and 8 or no 15 10 and 6 sorry but like you know he just, he just couldn't finish very well like late in the game there again a crucial miss Harrison Barnes I'm not sure what he, what happened this game like no, he didn't draw any fouls. Didn't didn't really have any attempts. Only three of eight, 
Like you, at least you want to see the attempts go up like a little bit. I just don't think as someone as good as he is should not be shooting eight shots. And then you look at, you know, just down, like you look at Justin Holiday had 12 shots. Like that guy just shouldn't be taking as many shots as he does. Like he always takes that really kind of that off what it always looks off balance where he's coming from the left wing and then getting a dribble pitch from Sabonis and then rising up while going to his right. Like it, like, basically turning in the air shot from the top of the key from the top of the key like he just should not be taking those kinds of shots like he doesn't make it enough and i i imagine it's his shot quote unquote but like it's not going in find another way to get better shots like a standstill shot i'm fine with him shooting for the most part i just don't like those ones where off screen like you know jumping in the air rotating in the air to you know for the uh the rotating in the air, Kyle Korver three from from top, yeah. So, and then like you you look at off the bench, Davion Mitchell, like he had some nice finishes, but two for nine for only four points. Like Dante Divincenzo, three for six from three, but like three for ten from the field, and the ones he missed were big. Like he just he needs to calm down on threes. Like it's it's a theme with him. He is t- way too eager to shoot a a long three. Like whether it's a bad pass, whether he's off balance he is just too trigger happy and for a guy that is not a good shooter especially since his uh since his in his stint with the kings he should really just chill on those on those threes and yeah like you know De'Aaron Fox like really showed up really try to will his team like you know through this game he even had a chance to win the game with free throws with 15 seconds left but unfortunately he missed it he missed one of the free throws and so he only tied the game and then ultimately, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith hits a three, basically at the end of, at, at or like on the next possession to go up three. The Kings, mit, uh, what was it? Harrison Barnes misses his three, and then Justin Holiday is able to tip it in for a one fourteen one thirteen loss. Um, yeah, unfortunately, a pretty demoralizing loss, and just about seals the fate of the Kings unless they can go on some crazy hot run against this murderous row of opponents coming up. But, like, the hope for the play-in is probably dead at this point. And, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Like, they again, the, the, the thing they need to do is that they need to build chemistry and just try and build for next season. Because, like, as much as I've kind of criticized how the offense and how the defense work, the, piece, the pieces are there for, I think, the team to put it together. Whether that's with Dalvin Gentry at the helm or, like, another coach. Or however, or however the front office wants to take care of this issue. Because, like, I think there are pieces here to build to something pretty, like, sustainable and something very solid or even good. And, like, you know, on the defensive end, you have, like, Davion Mitchell. And you're probably going to keep um, Dante DiVincenzo. And then Terrence Davis is a decent enough defender. He's not a lockdown guy, but at least he works on that end. And De'Aaron, like, I will still die on this hill, I think. And he showed it this game. He can be a difference maker on the defensive end. Now, he now he's not like Tyrese where, like, the reading of the passing lanes is, like, amazingly not on Tyrese's level. But his quickness, like, some of the plays he can make, like, you know, with the lateral quickness. And, you know, he has a decent wingspan. He's nowhere near Tyrese's level. But, like, he's got a good wingspan for someone his size. And, I will die on this hill. I think he can be a good defender. He's shown flashes of it, which is all the more annoying. He doesn't do it more often. 
Like, I think you can build a pretty good defense around De'Aaron Fox. And then, like, Sabonis, not a great perimeter defender, but a terrific, like, just presence down there. He's not, like, a crazy good rim protector. You might need one at some point, which is pretty ironic that, unfortunately, Miles Turner didn't work out because Miles Turner is the perfect guy to put next to him. But, like, Sabonis is a, as long as he's down there, like, he can protect the rim a little bit. The only, the, the scary thing is, like, when he gets pulled onto the perimeter and then there's no one else back there is the only real issue I see because he's a terrific post defender. Like, I didn't mention it in the um, in the Pelicans games review. Like, we've had issues with Jonas Valanciunas for years of just him bullying Rashawn and just punking, like, the Kings big men because they're just not good enough or not strong enough and big enough to hold him. He couldn't do jack shit against Sabonis. Like, he tried to force up shots. He got frustrated. Like, Sabonis is a solid defender down there. Now, of course, you get to the playoffs, you are pr- he's probably going to get torched quite a bit on the perimeter. But let's worry about that when we get there. <laughs> it's just one of those things when a lot of people, like, they talked about not wanting Ben Simmons because he doesn't shoot in the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs first. <laughs> it's the same thing. But the front office also has a lot of work, has work to do. Um, like again, with while it's while like you know Alvin Gentry, I think is a good coach. I don't know if I would like for him to come back, just because we've had the same old shit for a few years now. And granted, he's only I think been here for two, but like I'm not in, I'm not in love with the offense he runs. Granted, with a diff, with higher level personnel, it might work, but well to see. But like I'm open to just having a new coaching staff, a new head coach, and just work from there i'm okay with bringing them back too but you you better like the front office has a lot of work to do they gotta hire they gotta make sure the right coaches uh coaching whether that's alvin or not and they gotta make sure to you know get the right roster because right now like you look at the box score like it's basically been a pattern they the kings just shoot usually around nine ten or eleven threes a game they don't. They're just not a good three-point shooting team. And then you look at how much, how many shots the uh, the Mavericks got from three. They got fourteen of thirty-six. The Kings only got nine of twenty-five. Like the Kings just don't have the spacers that they need. Like if you're gonna have Justin Holiday going one for seven from three, like he's just not reliable enough. And then you know De'Aaron Fox three for four from three for four from three this game. You know you can't rely on that. Dante Divincenzo even three for six. Like. You know, again, erratic shots he takes. It's a, actually it doesn't feel like he shot three, three for six. But it's just you need bet you need more shooters. And like this is where TD would help a lot. But you know he's out. And if you know if Jeremy Lamb could have played, maybe he makes a difference. But like it's just they need more shooters. And like we'll want we'll to see how that plays out. And then yeah, again on the defensive end, you have Davion and those guys. Those guys can be good, can be parts of a good defense. And you need probably one more wing. Um, you per- like you know, depending on what Justin Holiday is solid enough, I think. But I think you need another one, like a, kind of a better version of Mo Harkless, I guess in a way, maybe more offensively uh, adept, and then like a solid defender um, would probably you know be be good. Like theoretically, a Cam Reddish would be a great would be a great pick pickup, but like. There, he's a he's more of a prospect than anything. I don't think you can really count on him to be good right now, to be honest. So, yeah, like a prototype of that guy, a better version of say Cam Reddish would be would be really useful for this team. Or, you know, like Kings have a lot of assets that they can throw that they can trade. They have their 
draft picks. They have, you know, Rashawn Holmes who returned this game and was pretty good. But the issue with just it's not a it's not a Rashawn Holmes issue, but it's just that when Deba- Sabonis checks uh checks out, like he you know, Rashawn Holmes comes in, he just he just isn't the game changer that um that Sabonis is, unfortunately. Like he's not the kind of he doesn't draw that kind of offensive uh, focus. He doesn't draw like the defense in the same way that Sabonis does. And he doesn't command space for rebounds and just, although he's a lot more mobile as a defender, which I really want to see that lineup of him and Sabonis play. Cause I think it could work. The, 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 the spacing issues, there's going to be a lot of spacing issues, but like, I think the def- I think that could make the defense work really well. We'll see if this is a thing, but you know, in the off season, like if, if Rashawn doesn't like this role and like he's got a lot of value around the league, so you can make a move with him. And we'll have to see what the Kings do in the offseason. Uh but as it stands right now, the chances are they're more than likely out of the playoff play-in race. And it's just about building building something specifically with the main pieces, which is probably gonna be Harrison Barnes, probably gonna be Deer and Fox, and Sabonis, and you know, Davion Mitchell and Dante DiVincenzo and those guys. So, like they're building something, but they're gonna. It's gonna. It's still a work in progress. They got to get there, and you know, like I am, I am optimistic about what they're able to do. Like, granted, Luca didn't play this game. Like, you, you, you know, you had you went toe to toe with a very good team with their best player missing. But I'll say this: I think Luke. I think if Luca plays, I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie goes off for thirty six points, eleven for twenty two. Like. You know, I mean, like Luca will more or less replace that and add even more to that. But like, you know, I don't think it mattered that much. Maxi Kleba like didn't play either. Like that probably that probably would affect the game a little bit too. But you know, I I'm I'm good with what the Kings were able to do. I just wish they would they would stop blowing these leads. They got to figure out a way to keep those leads by playing good defense. You know, running good offense and trying to generate good shots. Like. You know, sometimes the best defense is just making the ball go into the rim and making the other team take the ball out of the net. So, yeah, that's all. That's basically all I have for the game. Like, the heartbreaking loss at the end. De'Aaron Fox looked like a fucking superstar. And, you know, the Kings have the pieces, but they got to put it together. And, you know, it's about building, buildings, you know, for the future. Like, it really is. And I'm... You know, uh, despite granted, I didn't see the full the full blowing of the nineteen point lead. I did see like a thirteen point lead getting blown, but you know, I don't I don't hate this loss as much as a lot of Kings Twitter seems to. Um, I've been kind of off of it as well. Um, I've just not been checking Kings Twitter. I have my own little like notification uh, notification strategy that I do where it's I have a bu- I'm follow a bunch of like Kings reporters and that's how I follow the game. Um, and honestly, don't even dive into the t- toxicity because every time the Kings lose, there's always those people that always come out and just shit on the Kings. And, you know, some, some of it is deserved, but some of it, a lot of it undeserved. I'll just say like, sometimes, you know, just take, just take a break from social media. You ain't, you ain't need those people like in there. Like, no, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but like a rich, uh, Richard Ivan. I, well, if you guys are on Kings door, you'll know who he is. Like I, I started seeing his tweets again, and yeah, you know, like I get where he's coming from. It's also a, he's also a snarky sack of shit. <laughs> I'll just say that, you know, all the loves of him, like Sacktown Baby Giraffe. I like some of his tweets. Some of his, some of his tweets are good. He is a very good stats guy. Snarky sack of shit. It's just one of those things 
that if you love your team, it's better to either mute them or just you know unfollow them. Honestly, because they don't they don't re- they don't really add mu- they don't really add that much to the experience, and it's better just to kind of like take them out of it every now and then. Take a little bit of a social media break. Um, yeah, that's all I have for this game. Um, probably going to make this a two-part episode and probably going to do the Knicks game tomorrow. A Fong should be good for that game. I believe that one is in the Golden 1 Center. So um, you will be hearing back from Fong. Um, this is just, I don't think it's a long enough episode for it to be a standalone episode. So um, I'm probably going to just combine those two episodes together and make it into one. So, um, you know, just to, just to quickly go over my thoughts about uh, UFC 272. It, it's the one with uh, Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal, and that's the only uh, fight that I saw. I'll be, I'm, 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 I'm a little ashamed to admit it, but I think I actually, I guess, like I was kind of rooting for Kobe Covington in this one. Not, the, I'm not the biggest fan of Jorge Masvidal. They're kind of this, I, I know Kobe is a, you know, insufferable dick with his MAGA stuff. And, but, you know, what's his, what's his face? Jorge, Mas, Jorge is also a, a MAGA guy. And, you know, kind of this, kind of the same, what is it? This, the same side of the two sides of the same coin, I, I guess would, would be the way I, I say. It. Yeah. If you guys don't know, I'm, we're, me and Fong would kind of lean a little bit more liberal. And honestly, like the way they actually go about being MAGA guys, it's pretty insufferable. It's not, it's not something that's like, you know, respectable the way they go about it but like you know the fight kobe comes in basically dominated with dominated jorge with his with his wrestling Jorge had a had a moment in the fo- in the fourth round where he if he just pressed a little bit he could have gotten kobe but like you know i think he was just way out of it like he he was stunned before that he was eating a lot of shots right before that and probably was a little out of it but, you know, Jorge put up a good fight, but unfortunately just completely neutralized for most of the fight against Kobe. Kobe. And, you know, Kobe, like, you know, really damn good wrestler. Like, MAGA stuff aside, is a very good fighter. And, you know, I didn't really care too much for the rivalry between them. It's fun to have, like, personal rivalries, like, go like this. But, you know, I'm I'm on the side of, like, I don't know if it's real, but, like, you know, look looking at kind of the post-match stuff, this might be real. Like, there was some real, like, you know, sour feelings about it, and at least, like, on the surface. Maybe maybe this is coordinated, possibly. Maybe it's a fake beef. But there's a lot of smoke about, like, this beef. And, man, like, watching kind of Jorge's reaction after that, like, man, it's a bit heartbreaking just to, like, you know, this fucking asshole just basically dominated you in a real, in, you know, a sanctioned fight. And, you're probably not going to get a chance to fight him ever again. And this, this is something he's going to hold over you for a long time. So yeah, uh, ultimately a really, really deep, really decent fight. I didn't you know the wrestling does get boring after a while, but like, you know, it, I mean like the personal dynamics did add to it, but like ultimately like I was watching uh, the fightful podcast. What was it? The listing your boy, like Sean Ross that was talking about how he didn't give a shit about this fight. Because, but like this isn't giving this isn't getting them into the championship title title picture because both of them has have been kind of white, <laughs> kind of destroyed by Kamar Usman. So like, there was no real stakes to this one, but like ultimately, you know, still a fun fight, still a fun little personal dynamic to it, and uh, yeah, I mean, like looking back, I probably should have ch- should have cheered for Masvidal if anything, but like, yeah, but 
Kobe kind of got a very deserved win. Um, ultimately, it's kind of the, talk about the lesser of two evils on this one. But Jorge is an ultimately more likable guy, I think. Although, again, I don't love his MAGA stuff, but like, you know, Jorge is probably like the cooler dude, like the actual like good trash talker and all that. So, you know, it's unfortunate that Jorge had to lose, but Kobe like showed him like, you know, he is kind of on the next level, I guess. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't really know enough about fighting to say that, honestly. Like, I don't know enough about wrestling. I don't know enough about striking um, to really say anything. I'm just the guy who just happens to follow the hype around UFC. I'm like, I'm not a hardcore fan. I'll admit that. I didn't watch the rest of the card. Don't know enough about it uh, to really be invested, unfortunately. So, yeah, that, that, it was a pretty fun event. Um, just wanted to get a quick thoughts on it. And let me just check real quick about the, uh, about the, what is it? Is it double or nothing, or is it revolution right now? Let me see. What are the revolution results? going to spoil myself right here. I am actually going to predict that uh, Hangman Page, I believe, retains. Let me see. AEW. Results live. Let's see. Okay, so it looks like it hasn't happened yet. So live update. Thing. TNT, cool. <clears throat> oh, William Regal, all elite. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Didn't expect that. Oh, yeah. Like, it was shocking when they first released them in the first place. It's like, I don't get what Vince is doing by releasing all these great minds. Like, he just either is like completely done, he doesn't want any kind of wrestling, or maybe it's a grudge against, uh, against um triple h like he just doesn't want triple h to succeed it's one of these very weird like you know small the biggest small dick energy move that you can you can like do for a guy that you know claims that he has a very very big penis like it's a very little dick energy thing that he's doing to like nxt and and you know lo and behold like the product sucks <laughs> you know i guess you know triple h wasn't the issue it's how wwe you know, it's unfortunate, like, they, them going up against AEW, like, it, it, like, I thought it was a good strategy because, like, I felt NXT was the, was, like, it's, a, it's a lot of crossover between the two fan bases, I, I felt at, at the time, and, like, you know, I thought, like, if there is, like, a guinea pig you can, you can, like, you know, sacrifice without losing too much of your reputation and, like, the image, your image, it is NXT, and, but, like, they lost handedly, and, like, they never really had a chance, unfortunately. And, like, they just, for what, you know, Vince, like, you know, whether purposely or not, did not put any kind of effort into helping Triple H, I felt. And, you know, they lost AEW, and, like, all of a sudden, they just placed a clear house of, like, all, all of uh, Triple H's fingerprints from NXT. And, like, one of the shocking ones, like, you know, William Regal, like, why did you have to do that? Like, I don't think he was getting paid much. Like, why, why'd you have to do that? Let's see. What else? Has the Hangman Page match happened? Okay, it doesn't look like it's happened, so I can't give you a live reaction. But that's going to be my, uh, that's going to be my, uh, prediction. Uh, Hangman Page retains. So, yeah, um, thank you guys for listening. That was a really random, rambly <laughs> final part of the, final part of this half. Um, yeah, um, thank, hopefully, um, you know, Fong can join on the next part. And I'll catch you guys back on the other side after the commercial break.
Well, that that was uh, that was pretty fun. That was a bad loss <laughs> against the Knicks. Uh, okay, um, so uh, I, well, this time is not just me. Uh, Fong is here this time, and he is here to, t- uh, to for, with me. Jesus Christ, I cannot talk with me to talk about the loss to the Knicks in the Golden One Center, one thirty-one to one fifteen. Yes, the Knicks, the Knicks scored 131 points <sighs> yep it was probably one of the biggest upsides and then the biggest downfall i've ever seen in the king's game in a while real quick it was remember the uh remember the lakers game where you know it's it, the exact same situation ironically built a big lead um, built a big lead like on our home floor and then just completely fell flat on the second half. You remember that game? Mm, very vaguely, uh, but I feel like it has happened multiple times already. So it's not just that game. I feel like there was many games like this. Well, like specifically, we won't we won't dwell dwell on that too much. But like the fact that it's it's that you built up all this hope. Against a team that was helpless, had no looked like they had no hope of coming back, and you just can't help yourself, and you just do Kang shit, and you basically Kangs it away. Like this was peak Kangs. Ah uh, man, you mentioned hope, and you mentioned Kangs, and you know what it means. It's a really bad game. <laughs> okay, well, let's finally get started. So. Um, to quickly just recap the game, the Kings started out the game amazing. They ran their offense like to a T. Like outside of a outside of a few missed shots, and like they didn't hit much from outside. For like they hit some threes, but they didn't hit that much from outside. But they were getting cuts. They were like Sabonis was posting up, doing his thing. Drew two like fouls on Mitchell Robinson like two minutes into the game, and then proceeded to draw like three more fouls on Jericho Sims, the backup, like within the next few minutes. Like they were absolutely rolling, cooking the Knicks. Look, just making them look absolutely helpless. Like the Kings also on also played good defense. You know, ran out of transition. Just everything went the Kings' way. And like the the Knicks looked again helpless. There was nothing they could do. There was just no hope. Julius Randle would get some tough buckets every now and then, but like that didn't really do anything. Like, and R.J. Barrett has some moments, but again, just could not like stop the Kings from doing their thing. And like, just it was pretty much hollow scoring for the most part. But you know, <clears throat> but like the sec right as kind of the quarter ended. I had said, I said this to you, so you be my witness about this one. Mm-hmm. I felt like the Kings should have been up a little bit more. I think they end, I think they were up 15, if I remember right, uh, going yeah. into halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so up 15 going into halftime. But like I felt, I felt like they should have been up more. Part of that is that they just kind of missed some open threes. But I just felt like they they're kind of letting the letting the door open for the Knicks to come back because again, what I I've been saying this since last year. Kings don't really have the ability to go for the kill. And boy, did I wish they went for the kill. Because instead, they come out the second half completely flat. 
they give up they give up five like quick points and alvin gentry saw the writing on the wall he he remembers that for the past three games they've blown double digit leads or this will be the third game past two games they, they have blown double digit leads and he knew after after the knicks just you know cut it to they cut it to 10 and alvin gentry immediately calls a timeout like i think a minute into the quarter and he was hoping to you know stop the avalanche from happening but he couldn't the 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 knicks just like really heated up from three and the kings just looked helpless it was a complete 180 basically pretty much like our transition uh offense really good we got we drew a lot of fouls we almost drew probably like double the fouls in the um first half sorry uh against the knicks because who knows what the rest were like really loving us the first half second half my gosh we just let julius randall pretty much get a career high rj barrett just all of a sudden like figured himself out and man quickly off the bench just you know started doing a lot better and also drawing fouls against us it's like yeah like you said a complete 180 and like i don't know what to say Our, both sides defenses weren't that great in the second half but it's just that we couldn't even make anything especially with like all the shot attempts we uh tried attempting so let, let, let's talk about the shot attempts and you know i'm looking at the chart like you know trey lyles he didn't play that many minutes only three shots sabonis at 13 shots six for 13 that's fine for the most part harrison barnes seven for 11. i would have loved to see more attempts like he was pretty good when he actually shot but and i just wish he would shoot more and the main reason why i wish he would shoot more you look at justin holiday three for 13. this is i believe the third game in a row i have to look back but it's a number of games where he's had more shot attempts than Harrison Barnes, and he's not making fuck all. And I'm not even trying to shit on him as much as like it sounds, but like for a guy that takes that many shots, like some of them could go to Harrison Barnes. I'm like I'm so done with like him taking those kinds of shots, especially that you know that off balance going to his right leaning three pointer that he doesn't seem to make that often. Like. He, he needs to either find a better shot or again get give those shots to Harrison Barnes instead who shot three for four from three and again seven for 11. De'Aaron Fox was pretty good throughout the game he tried to bring them back 10 for 18 and it's it's just only so much he, there's only so much he can do and you mentioned like the Knicks defense was not good it wasn't but the like they started closing in because they figured out oh no one's gonna shoot from the outside no one's gonna hurt hurt us from the outside and the Kings, you know, could not respond. They couldn't hit threes uh, consistently. And on the other side, the Knicks couldn't miss from three <laughs> to save their mm-hmm. life. They just, like, especially Julius Randle. Ju- a lot of Julius's shots, honestly, like, especially those step back threes, I was fine with. The problem is you give him easy buckets where he just gets right to the rim. And then, you know, that gets, the, that gets their offense, you know, in rhythm, that gets him in rhythm. And then that is when those step back threes start to hit or start to hurt like the Kings. And it was just each one was tougher than the tougher than the the, the one before. And it just it broke the Kings spirit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have the stat for Julius Randle's second half, but he did score 33 points out of his 46 career high points against us. 
So yes, if something quit for him. Like he would pretty whatever in the first half. I mean, he he I wouldn't say foul out. He got his third foul like within like um, right before the half uh, uh, half. Uh, how I, say I, I, I have it, I have it here. He he got three fouls at six sixteen in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Like it looked again, it looked bad. Like it just looked like they had no hope. Like he tried to do what he could, but again, it wasn't eating into the lead at all in the first half. But in the second half, you know, he opens up, opens the quarter with a three, and basically never cooled down. <sighs> yep, pretty much. Yeah, and again, just like the the, the the issue isn't the step back threes. Like those were defended as well as they could. And, but like the, the only thing I would say about that is like, you know, they could have doubled him. They like this finally started doubling him in the fourth when the game was like double digits. And I just wondered, like, just double him. He's not exactly that good of a passer. Like you you can you can like swarm him. He was just having his way. Like get the ball out of his hand. Something. But then again, as I mentioned, it's the easy buckets, the, you know, the layups like that they, that the team just uh, the other team just gets in transition. Like there were just multiple moments. Like I don't know what's wrong with the Kings in transition. They'll have two guys on on the guy with the ball, and the guy will still score somehow. I don't know what it is, but like they need to somehow be better on defense. I don't know how they fix that. Of course, this can be fixed if you know if you just score a little better, if the role players showed up a little bit more. But like you know, they need they do need to do something about that transition defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sadly, since this is a pretty consistent uh, factor in our game, I, it's not going to be fixed this season. Hopefully, by next season, with hopefully maybe other acquisitions or some something will will fix that but this is not gonna you know change over the next like how many more games we have not many left yeah there aren't that many left and yeah at this point like i mean even after the mavs game after the spurs game i i've been saying like it's probably well ever since the pelicans game there isn't gonna be much you're playing for in terms of trying to get the play in like it's pretty i mean it's probably absolutely a lost cause at this point and you know the the most you can do right now is just try and build for next season and you know like in the second half the big thing the big change on offense that happened was that guys just stopped cutting for whatever reason like why go away from what you did in the first half you know they have to build up that rhythm and you know like i've always said like you know this team needs a leader but they also need a leader who's like one of the better players on the team it could not it couldn't have been tristan thompson because he couldn't he doesn't play much but now you do have like you know one of your best players in sabonis arguably your best player now he's the guy that can you know direct the offense like a guy that's you know like De'Aaron isn't like De'Aaron tried in this game it's just that like the guys didn't follow him but now you have two guys who can you know like command the offense and like get you a good shot and for but for whatever reason the role players just didn't show up for whatever reason stop cutting and just that's how the avalanche starts when your offense starts to fall apart and then your defense gets even worse <sighs> yeah well let's hope for a better game tomorrow which is let's see it's against the nuggets i believe ah hmm Okay, uh, that'll be a problem with Jokic. So uh, I'm not sure about that now. 
I mean, like, you know, we've been, like, the second game, like, we we were pretty close. Like, you know, there, there's a chance we could win that game. I'm not, I don't put it past them. But again, mm-hmm. at this point, it doesn't really matter to me if they win or lose. Like, you know, they lose, like, they, you get a better draft pick. <laughs> like, you or you get, a, you get a, the chance for a better draft pick. Like, so at, at this point, bit, just keep playing and just play your guys, build chemistry and build for the future. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'll, that's what I'll be looking forward to. And you know, like they need to, they need to figure out like the positions. Like I think, like Justin Holiday again. Like they, he, they, he's either gonna need to cut his minutes, or I mean, Alvin's gonna need to cut his minutes, or he's gonna just have to find a way to not take this many shots. I don't know, I don't know how that's gonna work, but you know, those are the, the you know, that position. Like they need, you're gonna need a lot of help, or a lot, you're gonna need an upgrade in that position. As well as like the position that Trey Lyles played. Trey Lyles was decent this game. He wasn't like a problem, but you do need someone better at that position, and those things need to be addressed in the off season. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna assume this is the same lineup that we've been using for the past three games. Then yes, have you not been watching? <laughs> well, I haven't been here in the past few games, so we're just gonna assume that I have not. Yeah, so remember how I said I didn't, I hadn't talked to Fong in the previous uh, before the commercial break. Apparently, this guy was out out here playing Destiny. Yeah, that's why that's why he missed the game and didn't a- didn't answer me until like nine at night that night. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot. <laughs> I thought it was a Sunday, but it was a Saturday game. It was indeed a Saturday game. Um, so, like, my main takeaway from this game is that. You know, we had hoped that the Kings, this team had changed for the better. And this kind of thing, like this kind of blowing of the lead and just looking absolutely lifeless. Like I, I kind of let the Pelicans game go because I just thought that was just guys not hitting shots. This is kind of the same thing, but the way they just let the other team just walk over them the way they did. Like this is Pete Kings. And I thought, and I had hoped that you know, like this team was now above that, but no, in fact, this is very much still the case. Now, could this be an outlier game? Possibly, but on this night, it it was the same old Kings and some things just don't change. And it's it's the worst home loss since the Lakers uh, home loss where, you know, it, it like literally it's deja vu of what happened that game. Mm, yeah, anything against the Lakers, huh? So um, Worldwide Wob kind of put it, I just love this phrase that he uses. He, he says, playing Sacramento is a vaccine to the arm to save or prevent your season from utter disaster. <laughs> Which, you know, like, the, I mean, the, the, the Knicks, like, they've been really bad lately. Now, of course, they've won their previous game. Oh, did we mention that they were on a second night of a back-to-back? But, like... I don't know. I don't. I don't put that much like stock into like second uh, second games of of uh, back to backs because the Kings came out strong on their second game of a back to back. I think sometimes you're just more ready to play, and like you know, you know, the like logically like the team that has more rest like probably has the advantage, but it's not always the case. But anyways, like it's uh like the the Knicks have been really bad lately. And they've just gotten two really nice wins against, you know, West Coast teams. And, you know, good for them. So I'll just I'll just say on behalf of uh, you know, Kings fans to Knicks fans, you're welcome. 
uh, you know, you, you stayed up till, what is it, almost 10.30, then the game probably doesn't end till like 1 or 12.30 on your side. You're welcome for giving you guys something worth it to stay up for. Yeah. Oh, man. I forgot it was a late game. Huh. What do you remember? I don't remember much, sadly, because I was dead tired yesterday. Yeah, and that's why we're recording it now. So, <laughs> and, anyways, okay, so we'll, I'll have I have one more question before for you before I, I let I go to you. So Sabonis said after this game. So uh, we didn't mention Sabonis was ejected in the fourth after, you know, honestly he fouled Emmanuel quickly, but like he was very frustrated and just got up on the ref's face. Um, when asked about that ejection, he said that he wasn't so much frustrated at the rest, but it was the fact that they blew another lead. Now, Jason Jones, I, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he basically says, you know, welcome to Sac- welcome to Sacramento, and that this is the kind of shit that you're going to have to put up with with the Kings. And <laughs> this is his first ever ejection, and two, was it three weeks into his tenure here? He's He might have been broken already. Gee, really? You think so? No, no. Uh, That's going to be the second part of my question. So, like, my question to you is, do you see this as a good thing or a bad thing? The good thing is that, you know, like, he's basically, him saying, like, kind of, like, basically losing his shit after blowing another lead. Do you see that as a good thing in that, like he's basically saying, like, man, this shit is this is bullshit. Like, th- like we were up fifteen. We should not be down twenty. We're, we should not lose by thirty. Like by the end of the game. Like, what the fuck is this? Or do you see it as what Jason Joseph said? Like the like Sacramento. It like it breaks players, and this might be step. This might be the first phase of you know the breaking of of um Demonis Abonis. Like one of the things like before Tyrese was traded and, you know, Kings might have done him a favor in that way. It's like after every loss, you you saw like just how dejected like Tyrese looked in those press conferences. Like at some, at a certain point, had the, if the team wasn't going to turn around, they would have broken Tyrese. So like, do you see it, this as a good, what Sabonis said, as a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, oh, man. I mean, as a as a you know, as a fan, this this looks pretty bad. I'm gonna say, I'm hoping that he has a better positive mindset for hopefully till uh, the off season and you know for next season, and hopefully we make do make some moves uh, during the off season because yeah, him seeing what we are right now and you know him experiencing and playing in this kind of system and uh whatever we had and the losing i don't want to say losing culture because it's it's pretty much ingrained already i'm hoping that he gives us a chance till next year because it's not like it's the end of the world where you uh, you know come here a few in a, in a few weeks you end up in this kind of situation it's it's how it is and i i'm just hoping that you know it changes because this is the, the really only like bright spot in the hopes for you know the kings to you know make the playoffs 
for next season, hopefully. So ultimately, you think that? So again, do you think this is more of him saying like this isn't this bullshit isn't acceptable, or is like it's, so this is what I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna have to put up with? It's not acceptable. The, the your first statement. I feel like. Hopefully, I don't want another like players meeting or anything, but hopefully, someone will step up and you know guide this team because we don't have we don't really have a you know a voice in this team really to you know man or control or be a general for uh, this team, and you know hopefully Demonis may be the kind of guy to uh, give us that spark, but. Who knows? Because I don't know. I don't recall him being that. Uh, I guess. Uh, what's the word? Leader. Leader. Yeah, leader. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say this about like the leadership conversation. Now, like I tend to, I'm actually going to go the other way. And you know, guys like Matt Barnes, they agree with you. Like he he said, like this team doesn't have a leader. And you know, d- like. They said, like, De'Aaron's not a leader, but in this game, he tried to bring them back. Like, in the third quarter, when things were go- getting out of control, he was the only one out there scoring. But, like, the rest of the team just didn't follow him. So, like, t- there's only so much you can do when, you know, your your team just doesn't follow in your footsteps. And the, my thing is, like, you can talk about lead, about a team needing leadership and how this team has enough talent to win. And you know they very much could, like after maybe an off season and, a, and a, like a full training camp. But like the matter of the fact is, is that this team is still in need of talent. They need more talent at the Justin Holiday position. They need more talent at the Trey Lyles uh, position. And once you get more talent, hopefully this you we can stop talking about this leadership thing because I honestly, ultimately, it's just talent. Like you can talk about leadership all you want. You can talk about like, you know, needing a Chris Paul. But the the reason why you get a Chris Paul is, you know, is that he's really, really good at basketball. Now, the the leadership is secondary. It comes with it. But it's but the most important thing is that, you know, Chris Paul is very good at basketball. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what we need. And hope and hope. And, you know, this is just step one. I get like a lot of people are saying like, oh, this is a win now move. Like, I don't know. I never really saw it as a win now movie. We're just doing it to make the play in. <laughs> so um, I, I think this is like getting some bonus is step one. And hopefully I, I don't I hopefully this does not break him. And hopefully he just maybe maybe he does step up as a leader. Maybe they do have a players meeting. I'm fine with them having a players meeting as long as it's productive. But like, you know, I hope I hope he does take the mentality of just like this is some bullshit. Like we, you know, you you guys need to keep you guys need to move when I get the ball in the high post. You guys need to like mm-hmm. always be cutting, and I'll find you if you get open. Like you just need to do your job, I'll do mine, type thing. Like mm-hmm. that that could be the leadership that we need. And again, Sabonis could be that guy, and he is in position to be that guy. Like Tristan Thompson can talk could have talked all he want, but he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna be even be on the court. Sabonis is always gonna is pretty much always gonna be on the court for the Kings, and he's gonna. He's he's he has the cachet to like demand this from his teammates, and hopefully this leads to you know you know something down the line. Yeah, let's hope so. 
because it's pretty dire <laughs> to watch these games now. Okay, uh, so I ask you to come up with three questions for me. So, all right, let's uh, let's let's uh, transition to that. So I guess this will be our new segment: three questions for Owen from Fong. Not gonna lie, I think you answered a couple of them, but here's here, pretty much here's the first question. I remember you mentioned uh, when we were watching the game that uh, we should be doubling Randall. Um, <sighs> Pretty much. I mean, even though he did pretty terrible in the first half, we should have been doing it more in the second half. And I was wondering, you know, if we started doubling Randall more and, you, you know, play actual better team defense in general, would we have sustained his offensive game towards the end? No. <laughs> like, just, I mean, you double him, he's not going to get it. He's not going to be able. Well, the, hey, okay, I'll, I'll say this. Like, the, let, let, let's be honest. Some of the shots he hit were fucking ridiculous and he is never going to have a game like this like in the next few years probably mm-hmm. like this is not this is not a normal game for him he, he got really really hot but the fact of the matter is you needed to kind of i think you just need to double him just to get the ball out of his hands because he was like make no mistake you look down that statue not really that many people scored all that much like rj barrett sure like uh, 21 shots and you know he made 11 that's really good but no, Randall was the catalyst for everything. He was really the only one that was legitimately like, you know, destroying the Kings. Everyone else kind of, you know, fed off that energy. So if you cut off that supply, like, you know, you could have like, you could have like, you know, doubled him off Taj Gibson. Like, I don't know why that wasn't like, that wasn't on the table. Basically the idea is that you needed to get the ball out of his hands. And mm-hmm. like, you at least give yourself a chance to you know try and change the game a little bit because like not he's not a great passer he's you know you play it like well enough you can the ball ends up in someone in someone else's hands and like you know you take your chances with that mm-hmm. okay okay now let's see going off to the second question and you kind of went over a little bit of this should we bench drew no i was about to say drew the wrong hall Holiday. Should we bench Justin Holiday and possibly put in Dante or maybe T- TD? And I, to be honest, I have no idea how TD is doing uh, health wise. So let's just say TD was back. If TD oh. was back, would Justin be in the bench uh, in replacement of either Dante or TD? I, I would start, I would actually even start Dante, like start Dante even when TD is back, just because, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, like, let's be honest, Darren, like, he's been better on defense. He tends to get picked on on defense and like you have a, and then you just add, you put another bulldog defender next to him and you know, whatever offense he gives you is a bonus. Like, I think, I think starting Dante next to De'Aaron should be an option. And you know, Justin Holiday just isn't getting it done. Like that's the problem. He's just not hitting shots, even though he technically is the best shooter on the team, I think at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he's not getting it done. You, the, the option to bench him should be on the table. And, you know, just have have him come off the bench as, you know, your energy wing and just see what he can do from there. And, you know, like if TD is back, I think that changes a lot because you talk about a lot of like the shooting. I think he can solve some of those issues. Like he's a very good shooter. Now, shot, shot selection, a bit erratic, but like he's actually one of the guys who can make shots. Mm-hmm. One of the rare guys on the team that can really make some of those shots. So like, 
you know, it's too bad that TD is injured. I feel like he does change the calculus of the team a little bit. But mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what happens when you know next season. Yeah. So let's see. Justin Holiday would if he does come off the bench, he'll be playing alongside Davion. And uh in the past, I think you mentioned that uh Davion with Dante is a pretty good uh defensive duo in terms of uh Davion being that, you know pretty big dog on defense and Dante being that uh, gambler I believe you mentioned yeah so how do you think that would uh, change when Davion play if he does play alongside Justin I don't think that matters like you can play him again like you know you can play him as a three I don't care Mm -hmm. like it's like he he's not he's not someone like that you have to play as a two like you can, you can yeah. fit him in there with as the as the wing to, to back up Harrison I don't mind that and yeah I think that could work mm-hmm. now my last question is I know it's too er- a little too early to say but who you think is safe and who you think is going to be gone from this team Sabonis is safe probably I just don't see them trading him after trading for him mm-hmm. yeah Fox <laughs> I think this is going to mean to say probably safe just because I don't think really any team is going to trade much for him just because of his contract more. And he's not been good this season. Like, let's be honest. He's been a lot better lately. And, you know, people should actually acknowledge that a bit more. But like the fact is he's got a big contract and you don't know what you're getting. Like, are you getting a star or, or are you just getting a guy who's on a max contract? Um, Justin Holiday, I think, uh, I, 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 like, there are a lot of expiring contracts. Justin Holiday's an expiring contract. Uh, like, uh, Damian Jones is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, DiVincenzo's restricted. Josh Jackson, I believe, is unrestricted. But Alex Len, like, you know, is a expiring. Uh, what Mo Hart wasn't expiring. The, the point I'm the reason why I'm listing out all these and I think Trey Lyles has a team option that's really cheap so he's probably actually going to stay more, more than likely but I think that the Kings have so many tools like James Ham mentioned this like there's they have so many tools to work with in terms of being able to make a move now whatever what that move is I don't know but they have their draft picks they have all these expirings it's kind of built in for them to make a move and, you know, like, if you can keep, like, I would love to keep Harrison Barnes, like, on this team. Because, like, you know, if you if you bring in another player and, like, move Harrison to the fourth option, I think that would be actually be the perfect role for him. Because, he, uh, let's be honest, like, we call him Mr. Reliable. But there are, again, there are nights where he's, you know, only takes 11 shots. He just needs more. But he's just not that kind of guy that takes a lot of shots. And this is not his game. So, like, you move into the fourth option, like, I think that would be the perfect um, spot for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just need to find that guy. And hopefully it's oh, maybe Dante or someone that we require. But we'll have to see about that. Because as of right now, I don't think we really have that third third option before Harrison. My... Let me just check mm-hmm. the free agent lists real quick. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, so here are some guys that okay so <laughs> John Walker at least no he he's not, <laughs> no, no he he's he's opting into that option okay so yeah these are 
these are horrible. This is a horrible list. So uh, one of the guys, I don't, I don't think he he would ch- come to the Kings, but like Zach Levine is available. Like, uh, okay. Like I don't, I mean, he might resign with the Bulls. Another guy that interests me for for sure. I don't think the Kings would be able to get him because of just how uh, restricted free agency works. Like Miles Bridges would be a great pickup um, if you know. If you like, if for whatever dumbass reason the Hornets let him go, like Miles Bridges will probably fit what this team needs, and like Zach, or Zach Collins, John Collins would be, a, I think, a perfect fit on this team. Hmm. So, those are the guys I would look at, and we'll have to see if the Kings can make a move, like with you know what, however many draft picks they're they're going to throw in, um, and you know you see what you can make out of all that. Yeah. You think our draft pick for uh, this year is gonna be uh, traded away or used? Okay, so if it lends, if, so I think James Ham mentioned this, and I'm kind of in the same boat. If it's not top three, trade trade it away. Hmm. Okay. Because I I want one of Chet Holmgren, Jabari mm-hmm. Smith, or Paulo Benichiro. Jaden Ivy, I'm just not as interested because I hate to say this, but like six four doesn't do it for me. I'm, I'm just going to be one of those guys. You got to be six, five or above, or, you know, I, you got to be long. You got to, I'm looking for a wing, like just straight up wing with size. And just, you know, if you're six, four, you ain't going to do it for me. Even though Jaden Ivey's really good. And I'm not even trying to diss him. He's, he's good. But like, I'm sorry. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on what team is willing to uh, want that pick. Uh, Along the side with, I mean, whoever we throw in uh, to get whoever, I guess. I mean, who? Let's see. I don't, I don't know. I don't know too many teams that are willing to give up stuff yet, in my opinion. Uh, we will. We will revisit this in the off season, and you will have the exact same answer. Because, like, the reality. <laughs> the reality is, like, we don't know. Like, yeah. you know, we don't know what happens behind the scenes, and you know. Like where I'll say this: wherever there's a will, there's a way. If the Kings are locked in on someone, now granted they did not end up getting Ben Simmons, but they had a will to make a move to you know get a star, and they ended up getting Sabonis. Like they had the will. I mean, they they were going to make a big move, and it was just a matter of who that move was, and you know how however they were going to do it they were going to do it and that included trading away Tyrese Halliburton so again you never know and you know wherever there's a will there's a way mm-hmm. oh yeah there's probably someone out there we're not thinking of and you know the kings could make a run for you know a difference maker mhm let's hope so Okay, um, that is basically all we have for uh, this um, this long episode. Uh, sorry for the delay in publishing it. There was just a lot of scheduling conflicts. So, yeah, hopefully this will unfortunately be the new schedule and just not going to be a, like, um, what's it called? Podcast right after the games just because, you know, it's tough to stick to that schedule. So we'll be coming see you guys with you know longer episodes and just covering more topics in general yep uh let's hope uh more things get rolling towards maybe hopefully towards during spring or maybe summer and we'll see what we could get you guys over the... <laughs> until then 
Okay. Well, on that note, um, let's uh, end this episode, and uh, we'll catch you guys hopefully just later in the week. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be coming back to you after a few, probably after you know maybe after the Nuggets game, but unlikely. Um, yeah, we'll we'll have, to, we'll have to look at how our schedule plays out, and uh, we'll we'll come back to you when you know as soon as we can. We promise. Oh yeah. Well. I guess we'll see you guys later.